Attention, Pokemon players. You're listening to Triple P, the Pittsburgh Pokemon podcast. On today's episode, Chuck takes the lead. Jake is stalling, and we are joined by Omnijoe. Chuck, how are we doing, my friend? I, I'm doing good. I'm in the, the hot seat today, or whatever you want, the lead seat. Yes, the lead seat. Call it. So, uh, changing changing the pace a little bit. So it's yeah, gonna be fun. Nice. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, uh, for sure. I can't wait for that. But how was your week? Yeah, uh, it was it was good. Um, got to play Pokemon. I know last week I said I was gonna play in a challenge. I lied. Uh, uh, because it wasn't a challenge. That's this Friday. Got my calendar wrong. Uh, managed to take Goldingo to a fourth place finish. So still pumped. Still doing well with the old wet noodle, as I'm calling it, because mm-hmm. uh, the Palky is in there. But uh, enjoying it. I think it's still doing well, at least locally where I'm at. Right. Everyone likes Charizard and everyone likes Maridon. So I'm still uh, having good matchups. So sure, uh, yeah, sure. that that. Sure. That was my week. Going to keep practicing that and see how far I can take it. How was your week, Joe? Uh, it was it was good. Um, I didn't get to go to locals this week because weather. Uh, so the you know we we canceled uh, as a group, uh, but took that opportunity to play a lot on on live on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Um, you know, as you know, I've been playing a lot of Moon. Uh, I love the matchups and I love how fast and aggressive it is. But I went the opposite way and I'm like, let's stall people out. And I went to Snorlax stall. Um, love that deck. I've never played a stall that this is my first, like anything that's not standard take your six prizes deck. Um, taking a lot of wins. I know it has a bad matchup against Tina, uh, but I feel like it has a good matchup against the majority of the rest of the meta. And even some of the bad matchups are because of certain tech cards that people are maybe not going to count in uh so i i'm it's a, a lead contender for me for Knoxville. uh even though that'd be very weird for me because i've never like i said never played a deck um that wasn't uh a take your take six prizes first uh so we'll see uh we'll, we'll test myself we'll see uh it's still between the two for for knoxville uh but aside from that since we're just kind of down uh, weather-wise here, it was a lot of staying home, and some of my work friends got me into this new Steam game, uh, slash Xbox game, it's Pal World, which is kind of like Pokemon, but a bunch of other stuff, <laughs> so I played a lot of that, and uh, not a lot, but like six hours total between, uh, you know, whatever this weekend, but uh, I think I might have a second off now, because the game's pretty fun <laughs> so far, <laughs> but that's basically it. Uh, jumping on the on that train right right I, it's not even the 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 pals it's the it's the uh building and just the environments and stuff like that and then being able to do like make a community in the game so uh that's what i'm enjoying from it but obviously um still very early in that game yeah <laughs> that's fun yeah well before we go down that rabbit hole we do have someone with us and we uh do want to get him on and talking so without further ado let's introduce Omni Joe himself, Joe Bernard. Joe, how's me on, guys. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing really good, thank you. Um, I'm prepping for Liverpool regionals this weekend, so I'm in the thick of Pokemon at the moment. Very cool. So you are you prepping as a player or as yeah. a caster? Okay, player. Okay, playing for Liverpool. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um, I mean, I guess before we get into it, do you, do you need spoilers <laughs> in something that you're potentially playing, or is it still on the on the down low? uh i'll be playing a lost zone engine of some description okay. it might be tina it might be a box one okay. of those one okay. of those things can't yeah. be, can't go wrong with the lost box the lost box engine mm-hmm. 
I was curious if you were, I thought you might be working that uh, event uh, being on the casting side, but I mm -hmm. uh, wasn't sure. I didn't see the, the list of casters yet. So yeah, I think it will go up in a couple of days time, but uh, I'll be yeah. playing at least. All right. Sweet. Well, I, uh, guess I had one tangent question here already. How do you, <laughs> okay. how do you juggle between being a competitive player and a caster? We've seen a couple other casters, you know, for, for Pokemon do that. How do you, how do you decide what, you're going to do that given tournament. It's actually really simple. Uh, I'll say yes to cast every time I'm asked. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, every time I'm not, I'll play, basically. I'm still trying to go for the invite this year. Uh, I, I've always tried to go for the invite, right? I'm still a player at heart. So yeah, yeah. whenever I get the chance to compete, I'll, I'll jump at the chance as well. Easy enough. <laughs> that, that's a simple answer for sure. All right. Well, uh, just in case anyone doesn't know, uh, let's give you the opportunity to uh, uh, introduce yourself to anyone who may not know who you are. Yeah, no problem. Uh, my name's Joe Bernard. I've been playing since 2009, um, competitively, maybe for a few less years than that, but still a long time, I would say, in the game. Um, I have a YouTube channel called Omnipoke, which is, again, all about the competitive side of the TCG for the most part. And I've been casting uh, since 2016 as well, when it started off with the European national tournaments and then has been fortunate enough to carry on with international championships sporadically throughout the years and uh now this year we have official regionals on the european side so i'm also jumping on that opportunity as well this season which is uh really awesome actually to see so much coverage for this side of the world as well so yeah really enjoying my time playing and uh, also casting yeah that's awesome um i guess we'll just jump in the the, the, the youtube side of it first um so you have the omnipoke channel uh, can you can you tell us a little bit of the story behind it, why, why you started it and, and what it's all kind of about? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've always been a consumer of YouTube. I still listen to like tons of podcasts, and a lot of YouTube content myself. So um, when I was getting into the game myself, I really liked uh, uh, Jay Witt's Pokemon Dan Level 45, who's now Dan TDM, the Diamond Minecart, mm -hmm. who's got a really successful channel doing other stuff, and obviously Puka as well. So these sorts of channels I really looked up to, really enjoyed. They got me into the game, and it was something that, especially when Dan started to move away from Pokemon, it felt like, at least in Europe and in the UK, there wasn't that sort of coverage of Pokemon. So as me and Jack were starting to ramp into competitive ourselves, we were sort of trying to dip our toe in, starting off with like tournament reports and a few deck analysis and stuff like that. It's almost 10 years ago now, though. Wow. <laughs> we just kind of just kind of kept it up. And as we have continued to play the game, it's just continued from there, really. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I know when Chuck and I first started playing, uh, you know, we were right around the right before COVID. Um, being able to like get into the game with so many different YouTubers, obviously the guys mm -hmm. that you mentioned kind of, faded uh where they weren't in the forefront but uh people like yourself um were definitely very instrumental in us kind of catching up to where the metagame was or kind of having a loose understanding of it and then obviously has blossomed into once now irl play uh is is live it just really helps players you know in our generation uh getting into the game uh helps us out and you know, you, you are at the forefront of that so i do appreciate it uh, yeah, thank you. I mean, that's what I aim to do. It's how I got into the game. And if we're going to grow the game, having these sorts of resources, there are tons of them now. You don't really need like right. every individual, but uh, everyone has their preferences, right? So the fact yeah. that I can get anyone interested in the game or make them look deeper into the tournament scene is is a big win for me, I think. Big motivation. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, one of the the things I like watching on your channel is the the like they're kind of more of like your impression videos or, or like your impact on on like cars that might be coming into the meta. I really like those. Like your takes, they're pretty solid. Like lack of a better word, I guess. <laughs> right, right. But, yeah. uh, I I do. You said the channel focuses on uh, on most of the competitive content. Um, is there like a video you like? to make more than others or just in general? That's a really good question. Like, um, quicker. Yeah. I think I'm naturally like quite creative and enjoy that sort of deck building and discovery process. So possibly throughout those like first impressions, impact videos, and uh, even like set reviews and stuff, you can see that my passion's coming through there because I'm obsessed by the stuff myself. So I've been going through this in my head for so long and then just putting pen to paper essentially is what I'm doing with the video. Right. Right. Um, so I, those are probably the most fun ones because it's really difficult to like only have my own thought process or, you know, uh, a testing group's thought process and try and replicate that to be what the eventual format will be when there's so many other minds at work and whatnot. So it's inevitably going to be wrong at parts and stuff will fall down. But um, yeah, it, it's a great uh, time to be a TCG player. I think whenever new sets come out, there's so much more excitement and there's everything feels fresh, even though there's, you know, just a handful of cards changing things that can, it can take weeks and months until we sort of reestablish the new normal, I guess. Right. Yeah. And I think as, you know, as I progress as a player, I, I don't know about you, Chuck, but um, Hello, those videos when the format just changes and then those first impression kind of decks or, or videos or, or first renditions of any kind of new deck is really what gets me going, um, you know, with play, uh, content creators like yourself, uh, because a lot of times I can't put the necessarily the time I would like to. Um, sometimes I have more time than not, but um, it definitely gets me more interested and in, ramped up into the game watching those kind of videos. Um, and yours is always one of the first ones I go to for sure, especially during that time, because mm. um, that's when the game is at, at its at its best is when the, the meta is unknown, but you still want to yeah. kind of have some kind of grasp on it. And and sometimes, you know, as every individual player will have their own kind of loose idea of what they want to do, but um that's the time where you can just pick up such a small tidbit and it can make a biggest difference on uh mm. how you want to create a deck so um that's the that's the best time i think for sure yeah it's a lot of fun definitely um i do like to uh one another topic i wanted to bring up with the youtube is that you do do uh, occasional like gym leader challenge like uh guides and whatnot mm -hmm. so are are those something that are are I don't know what's the right word like good or or fun to do as well because I mean gym leader challenge is probably one of the more fun uh and popular side formats of of Pokemon so I didn't know if those were interesting for you or do well like do well as a video in general uh I think they do okay I think gym leader challenge and is like popular enough in its own right where it's worth making the video, I suppose. And it's interesting enough because for me, I dip my toe in and out of gym leader challenge enough that it's almost like discovering a new format again. So I have the same mm -hmm. mental process really, where I'm figuring out the changes of what's what needs updating and how that will impact that metagame as well. So I think it's a lot of fun to just give yourself something else to explore another a deck building challenge really in a lot of ways uh, yeah. with different restrictions and i love cube format i love glc i like any sort of different um 
restraints you can put on yourself as a deck builder just again just sort of allows you to scratch that itch as well so i think yeah all of those videos i really enjoy doing and at the moment it's a perfect time for it right because the format's pretty well established it's more about techs week to week in terms of what you think are going to be popular and we all know like the established 55 card like shell that most decks need just to function right now so it feels like a good opportunity for those sorts of videos to like weave their way in onto the channel yeah nice i do like your your i i have done the watched a few of the cube formats just <laughs> in in general like uh, more like teaching myself a little bit about the format in in general just learning how to how to do it how to build one potentially um i just they're interesting and i i find videos on off formats interesting as well uh, mm -hmm. when it comes to pokemon because everything in pokemon is so like burned down it's just the standard format is so mm -hmm. huge so i actually um, really loved um uncommon energy chip and azul's most recent they're like spring off thing me and jack yeah. have been talking about this idea for so long and i'm so happy that someone's been able to sit down and has the resources <laughs> to actually do that because uh it's been successful in Yu-Gi-Oh. it's a really like big series in a few channels and just importing it to pokemon is awesome so i'm really going to enjoy following that uh, series as well I definitely need to jump on that. I've been a little bit behind on all of my Pokemon content, uh, but uh, <laughs> I definitely need to do that now. Uh, that work is starting to slow down. But Chuck, you did when you brought up GLC, um, that kind of sparked a little question I had, where I saw an article uh, saying Scoop Up Net has been banned from uh, Expanded. Um, I know Expanded hasn't been a format really since uh, before before COVID. Um, but with that kind of, you know, with that being officially um, uh, banned, I guess, from the format, do you see that Expanded might have life in the near to mid future uh, because of this? Or do you think it's just kind of a one of not really anything to pay attention to? I think it's just keeping one to one with Japan really at the moment. I, I don't think they have any imminent plans with Expanded. Um, there's not enough like resources for them to really sit down and see what that format looks like. It's you know, sort of grown, the weeds are really expanded and it needs a lot of care being taken to I mean, balance it yeah, out. I mean, 100% true, but I like, as you were saying, like a format bring brand new, like if they did have like a mass like ban list uh, at some I point, I it. think it was, yeah. it was definitely would be kind of interesting, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> Maybe they, yeah, I was even thinking they just set a new, like t rotate out the black and white sets and start again from like XY on or something like that. I could definitely right, right. foresee that being something because... Yeah, these cards are getting quite old. I think even just in terms of bringing out products for Expanded would be another step for them before they even release it out into being, again, a championship 100%. point earning and cash yeah. earning tournament. For sure, yeah. for sure. Well, I was going to transition, unless, Jake, you have any other questions? I'm done so sidetracking us for now. Because <laughs> we did talk about how you do casting and, and you've been on, uh, everyone should have seen you at least on some EUICs for the Pokemon, uh, uh, the official Pokemon cast. So I wanted to ask you just how did that train, like kind of how did that call come to come to fruition? Because obviously you have the, you've had the channel, but uh, when Pokemon just pick you up, call you up on the phone book and say, hey, Joe, I need you, <laughs> need you for a championship series. How'd that go? Yeah, I guess it was a bit of right place, right time sort of thing. Like you said, I, I put myself in that, <laughs> position i guess before it was even a thing in europe just by being a content creator i suppose in the space mm -hmm. knowing people like ross really well who i think has mm -hmm. had the highest chance of being a commentator already because he had done it at previous like uk nationals for example 
Um, and yeah, it was a case of interviewing for it like anything. And um, yeah, they took a risk on me. <laughs> and <laughs> I'd like to think uh, I've tried to repay them every time I get on the desk. I would say it paid off for sure. <laughs> Appreciate I, it. I, yeah. <laughs> I enjoy your time on the desk. It's very insightful when you're commentating on, on, on the on the plays and everything as well. So uh, how do those go? Like, are those a lot of fun for you? Like general thoughts on, on casting? Because obviously it's not something I do, mm. uh, but I think it would be a huge fun experience as well. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, for me, I'm at the point now where I've done so much casting that I don't get the same nerves. That I, I get more nervous playing now than I do casting mm. actually. <laughs> and um, I don't have those same like, woes of what deck decision I have to make or whatnot. I'm just actually exploring and enjoying the format every single time. When you're in a cast, you're almost like you're playing both sides of the table. But the best part is when one of the players is bricking, you can just play the other side of the table. So you can jump off and still enjoy your day. Whereas other people, you know, it's Pokemon. Dreams can get shattered by so many different variances. And oh, we've, stuff all, like that. we've but, all lived that part of it. <laughs> but, but when you commentate, you normally make it Close to the end, at least. So it's always a lot of fun to have a full-on weekend. Yeah, For sure. So yeah. I, as far as like all the casting, you know, here uh, in North America, obviously they're in EU. Um, obviously, every every Pokemon stream keeps in you know uh, improving like by a little increment. So obviously, when we first started, uh, it was just the games. And there was a lot of dead time with a couple like tidbits here. Then going into like interviews with, uh, you know, players after matches, interviewing now people that are part of the community. And then even just something small like um, having the, um, the now the energy use, supporter use, switched use kind of like uh, like icon on the on mm -hmm, on mm -hmm. there. Uh, do you guys have any say in that kind of stuff? Do you guys kind of spitball ideas what could make? Uh, a stream more entertaining for just people watching online? Yeah, uh, we have a really good uh, contact uh, with TPCI people as well as uh, those running actual tournaments and we're actively talking before every single event about how this individual run of show is different and how we can make it feel different, how we can make it entertaining and there's obviously uh, time to talk about these sorts of uh, things and actually the supporter energy and whatnot played thing was something that was seen in uh, Japanese tabletop videos just, you know, all over mm -hmm. the place. And it's just a really easy win for us, right? Where it just makes it clearer for everyone. It means right. that you can come into the stream at any time, realize whose turn it is, what's going on during the turn, why they aren't doing this, that, and the other, or whatever. It just gives much more yeah. context. So it's just a fantastic upgrade that, yeah, we found the right place to put it on the screen. And now it's just a great include, right? And I think yeah. downtime is the other thing we're trying to cut out on as much as humanly possible. Um, because no one wants a break, right? It's it's the perfect time for people to tune off or go away and do something else. So having these yeah. interviews, having like games and other stuff to do, even if it is goofy stuff, uh, it's more entertaining <laughs> than just having like a pop quiz or whatever as they tell you to wait for 15 minutes. Right, for sure. I mean, and getting to watch like caster battles or, or any random interviews, it definitely just helps us plug in the community uh, even more so. Um, mm -hmm. than just our locals so um, I think you guys are you know you and everybody else involved um, is doing a great job and just keep pushing that envelope because uh, like like I said I, from from beginning of you know right after COVID to now uh, it's just small incremental uh, improvements but like it, the sum of all parts is just even much better so just keep that up yeah <laughs> yeah thank you yeah we're all trying really hard and I think it's cool that we have Europe 
pushing against NA now. We're trying to be better than they were the last week and stuff like right, that. So right, right. I think we're naturally all trying to raise our game this season more yeah, than ever. Friendly, friendly competition yeah. brings the best out yeah. of everybody. Yeah, exactly. Now we just talked about all the the extra work you kind of do in 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 doing prepping for casting, and you you are a player as well. I just have to know: Do you put more prep work in as a player, or before before uh, an event, or as a caster? It, it's tough. It's different type of work, I suppose, um, yeah. because because I always want to be on the forefront for my channel anyway. In terms of like new format stuff, I'm always like a month ahead. Also, anyway, in terms of the range of decks that I've played, but for when you're testing for a tournament, you I try and lock in way more in detail for one or two decks. Whereas if I'm mm-hmm. casting, um, I will try and just have a more broad knowledge of what everything does and how it functions. Uh, so it is a different type of test. Like, I guess it's not really testing when I'm uh, preparing to cast, but it's more of like an exploration of the format versus hyper-specific, does this tech card change this matchup if I do this on turn three or four differently or something? So mm. yeah. it's just a big change in how I'm preparing. But at the end of the day, I'm still grinding a ton of games either way. Yeah. <laughs> and I still am trying to be a helpful testing partner to everyone else in my team who are trying to do well as players. So it's actually not yeah, that I, different, I would I know, say. I know on the European side, you got to be ready for off the wall because you're going to have Sander as one of your competitors <laughs> usually. So yeah. you have to have the card pull knowledge because he's yeah, going to pull also true. from one out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. many EUICs. I've, uh, the first deck that I've looked at on Arcanine has been Sanders. And then I've made sure not only that I know what the cards do, but the fact that we actually have the graphics for all those cards so we can put them on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point because like, I'm sure you guys don't have all the graphics to every single card, but like yeah. a player like Xander is probably hard to, to predict. Uh, so yeah. it's a a lot of prep work, I guess, on that that end of it. Yeah, back on the PTCGO days, I remember us having to actually trade for certain cards so we could like show it on <laughs> PTCGO as well. Oh, there's oh, really? been some crazy <laughs> stories backstage. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's great. That's awesome. Well, uh, I think now is when we can get into our our standard questions and and kind of ask some more simpler ones. Um, we got to know you pretty well, but we're going to ask, I'm going to start with the, the easy question that some may say is the hard question. Uh, what is your favorite Pokemon? My favorite Pokemon is Empoleon. All right. Just a cool penguin Not... guy. <laughs> and I did really like the uh, Dark Explorers card. That was one of the big okay. reasons why I started to really like it. Oh, he's jumping ahead to the next question then. He is definitely. Maybe. So <laughs> you might have already <laughs> answered it. We'll see. Uh your favorite Pokemon card uh throughout you know your history in the game. Uh, my favorite reason. card, yeah. My favorite card is actually Swoop Teleporter. I think it's a really well designed mm. item card. It's like a ninja boy, but an item essentially. Okay. Um okay. so you're changing a Pokemon. And I think it just opens up a lot of interesting lines where it can help out with evolution mechanics. It can let you have cool lead Pokemon or support Pokemon a lot better. Uh, and it can also like create surprise elements as well in terms of game plans you can have against your opponent. So I think it covers a lot of bases. And I've also built a cube around this sort of card as well. So Sweet <laughs> right, Teleport right. is one of my favorite <laughs> cards of all time. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I've never played it when that was is legal but i'm a big fan of thornton uh jake can attest yeah. that i've probably yeah. kept thornton i've probably kept thornton in decks longer than i should because <laughs> i really love the surprise element um but yes i i can totally get behind that type of card so yeah awesome for card sure, for, for the sure. era it was as well 
Um, now I get to take this to the opposite end. Is there a least favorite card that you have that you have seen throughout Pokemon's journey, your Pokemon journey? Could be for any reason, um, but I mean, least favorite. Yeah, good question. Probably the first one that springs to mind is just Let Loose Marshadow because it dictated games just by stopping them before they started. Um, those would be the cards that I, I don't really like, just game enders because you know yeah. someone's just going to brick completely off of it. I'm sure there's been other ones uh, throughout the eras, but that's the one that immediately jumped to my head. I feel like Pokemon sort of learned their lesson off that. Obviously, they printed a Marnie, which is probably not nearly as bad, but still kind of in the same vein. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, yeah, over that, you know, now that Marnie's rotating, I feel like hopefully they've learned their lesson and we're not going to have anything that disrupts your opponent before they can really play the game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think Judge with, is one of the best one of the yeah. best balances actually because there's a big enough drawback to the player playing Judge themselves mm-hmm. that they're not really going to hit much off the other side of it. So they have to have made all their plays then play Judge or right, have right. some engine to accommodate it. So I think it's uh, actually a pretty nicely balanced card, even though it can still have feels bad to it. It, it feels way better than Marnie did because that was like a mm-hmm. four of in so many decks because it was just plus one is so powerful. 100%, yeah. All right, uh, so we're gonna. Get, you've been in the game since uh, 09, like you said, or you know, loosely in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this might be hard for you, but what is your best Pokemon memory to date? Uh, my favorite memory is um, crowning um, Tamal Cameron or Tamal Takeda now uh, that he's married. His um, crowning him the the UK national champion was fantastic. It was my first casting gig. And getting to give the trophy to a friend, having seen the work they put in mm-hmm. with the deck list and helping them, you know, get to that final and whatnot with testing and whatnot was just fantastic. And it was the first time I met Puka, who was like a massive idol of mine from right, right. the very early YouTube days. So that weekend just culminated with so much stuff. Uh, but actually just holding the trophy and handing it to a friend is just such <laughs> an incredible feeling. So that that's definitely my favorite uh, moment, I think. Yeah, that would be amazing. I know Chuck and I have talked several times with several different people about just the community and just the local testing group and friend group. Um, And and like you said, uh, seeing all that hard work and then you get to be able to be the one that you have, that's just pretty awesome. (laughs) Yeah. He played Vesper and Valplin, though, not the the Uh, most fun deck. It's fine. I get to take the, the, the fun question, as I like to finish this off this is the last one so we're going to add a new element to uh the pokemon stream and since you're playing at liverpool this could happen so you're you're going to be put on stream and the new element that they're adding is you get your own walk-up music so we're going to throw out the rules of uh legality and just say what song would hit when omni joe hits the stage <laughs> to come play pokemon so I've actually thought about this loads of times because every time I listen, I always think about this. And the best <laughs> idea that I could come up with was Daft Punk, Get Lucky, and just hope that that carries me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. See, now, this is like one of the few times that I've heard a song that they, someone has thought of. I have like, not still, so as it, soon as we're done yeah. here, I'm going to be firing this up. <laughs> it's a bop. It's a yeah. jam. Let's go. I yeah, can't it, wait. <laughs> it is a good jam, and, and it does... Uh, does does fit so (laughs) hey maybe i'll have to steal it uh whenever that happens to me (laughs) um but that's it for standard questions you got through them um i think right now i think it's a good time to take a quick pit stop roll into our pit stop
and, and have a little bit more fun with some trivia. It's time time for so trivia. Uh, I'm in trouble. Trivia. Chuck gave me a little preview I have a, here. <laughs> I, have a, yeah, I, 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 I gave Jake a little bit of a hint because I think he's up against some stiff competition with how much you know cards. I know I'm going to lose. Um. So I had I'm coming up with a a, a little bit of more fun. So I'm I have uh, we're going to do a four four card quiz against each of you. I have four cards for Joe. And I got four card different cards for Jake. But this is going to see I'm going to try and see how much you guys pay attention to cards that get played often. Now I think Joe might have this, but I'm going to give you <laughs> I, lose, I lose. But even if I get even if I do well. And I get three or four, which maybe is reasonable for me. Um, I still lose. Uh, and you know, you've you've asked me like simple questions on simple Pokemon that I I've played against. I've used <laughs> in the tournament the weekend before and still got wrong. So I'm the worst at this. <laughs> so I know I'm losing. So I do have to make it fair because I have two different piles of four. So okay, uh, Joe, do you want evens or odds? I'm gonna roll a die. I'll get even. I'll get evens. Okay, you're gonna have to trust me on this. It is evens. So I'll let you pick the top or bottom pile. We'll go top pile, I suppose. Okay. Okay. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna the way this is gonna work. I'm gonna read off four attacks, uh, for Pokemon's that are primarily played for their ability. And if you can name the Pokemon, oh, if God. you if you need a hint, you can tell me the hint, and I'll name I'll read the ability, and then you can guess from there. But then I won't give you any points for it because right. that they're gonna be giving it away. Yep. Kind of. Um. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start. Uh, we'll do Joe Joe first, and then Jay can pressure. See how many he needs to know how to get right. All right. So first attack is Psy shot. These are all standard legal. Pokemon, um, by the way. this is Curlia. Okay, I'm gonna have to double check that actually. Oh no! Wait, that might be slap. It might be. Um, is it Mew? Celebrations Mew. That is what I have. Yeah, it's probably. So I think that, that one. He gets a half. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll take a half. I'll take a half. <laughs> um, Buster Tail. Um, that's a good question. <laughs> Definitely should know this. Hmm. Chuck's coming with the heat today. Yeah, that's tough. Nothing's coming to mind. Yeah, it would go for a hint. Super cold is the ability. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's um Bat's caliber. All right. Uh next attack is wing attack. <laughs> uh Pidgeot V. No, not now. Uh, that is Halucha with the flying entry. Okay, I guess that was playable. You definitely one point. got you got the harder pile. I will say that. And then That's this fun. one is refrigerated stream. Uh, this is uh, iron bundle, I believe. That is correct. That is the yeah. nice guess. There, there we go. <laughs> you got the one that I thought was going to be the hardest one. So yeah, it's such a weird attack game, though, right? It just stuck in my head, <laughs> right? All right, so that was one and a half. One and a half. That's pretty cool. Two, but... To be fair, I'm still gonna lose this sign. <laughs> All right, no, so I, Jake, I give you two turn. for sure. Okay, well, let's go. All right, so rain splash. Uh, Manaphy. 
that was the gimme. You got the gimme pile. So thanks, yeah. Joe. Well, for fun fact on, on Rain Splash, when we were doing team challenge a year ago, uh to it we our teams were tied uh going into this was to get into the top 32. Uh my teammate won a game because he attacked with rain splash for win on the chaos. It's the dream. It's, it's always what you're trying to do. If yeah, you can he, win with a rain splash, you do. He's like he, sure. he had he did he had a different route to victory and he's like no 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 we're going to rain splash. So uh shout out to you Mike. <laughs> All right, now we have tail smash. Tail smash. So this is something with an ability but this is an attack. <laughs> It's standard legal. They are all standard legal. These are all... I've seen all of these played multiple times. But... I, I'm thinking like I'm said, thinking it's water, tail. What is... What is um, so Manaphy's already taken. It's another water Pokemon. Maybe. Wow. I'm going to give you the hint soon. Sure, just give me the hint. Industrious incisors. Tell me you don't know it now. Yeah, I do know industries and sizers. It's it's uh it's a uh, barrel. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. All but right. I, I I don't get a point for that. Nope. Uh, flight surf. Say that again. Flight surf. Flight surf. Another water Pokemon. What's another water Pokemon that we use for abilities? It's there. Uh, it's not Greninja. Um, I don't know. This is the Pidgeot V attack with oh. Vanishing Wing. I would not have got that. <laughs> All right, last one. Thank you. Scrap short. Scrap short. I wanted to say like Polygon Z, but I don't think we. That wouldn't be that because it's something that you said that is normally played. Scrap. What is it? Scrap so short? Short. Scrap short. Nah, I have no idea. I... <laughs> leave, this, leave the one that you need to get to win be on the deck that you're playing currently. <laughs> This is an instant charge Rotom V. Okay, well, you know, I don't use it, and I played. Yeah, I, I, I did, didn't look at it. My bad. That's the point. <laughs> My none bad. I should have. I've been playing that thing. I had the win. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Have none of that. these cards are used for their attack. That's why I wanted to see how yeah. many, how much you're paying attention. Yeah, not much. <laughs> but uh, Joe wins. Yes, he does. I told it's a you he victory, win. but I'll take it. <laughs> oh, shots fired! Shots fired! <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, we'll move on to uh, to my trivia question. This is going to be a co-op, uh, only one card. Uh, so we're going to play guess this Pokemon this attack or ability belongs to. It's going to be standard usual. Um, we do have the three lifelines. Um, but today's uh, Pokemon attack is Desert Pillar. To me, it sounds like a Palisand style card or something along those lines. Could be... Pillar. Hmm. Banner legal. I definitely I am I'm with you on the on the maybe it's a or maybe fight. maybe a maybe like a flygon. What is what would help you more? A set or a stage at this point? 
Because that was our that's our hints. We can set <sighs> um, pipe. Set set would be good, I think. I'm always the worst at this. I knew you're gonna ask me sets, and then I, I always dread because with the new stuff, it's all, <laughs> it's it's the one that has Arceus's uh what did Arceus come out in? Brilliant stars. Brilliant stars. There brilliant. you go. That's this brilliant. Well, there is stars. a there is a flag on V in uh in Brilliant Stars, I'm pretty sure. And this is attack? This is an attack. Is that the that was the flag on that was played in it was like the B-drill, arc B drill. Yeah. Uh, it, I think that's the oh, guy. I don't remember the name of that. I actually played that for a little bit and I don't remember the name of that attack. They didn't use it very often. <laughs> Too expensive. <laughs> Just got boss straight away. Uh, right. I need I need to know what stage it is. I'm gonna use that. I'm gonna call it and say what stage. Stage two. Stage two. Okay. Well, I don't have a better guess. <laughs> I, Wait, I'm the, the, po the card is a stage two or the Pokemon's a stage two? The Pokemon is a stage two. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a decent guess. Well, to be yeah. So you guys are going with Flygon? You happy with I'm, that, Chuck? I'm, I'm happy with Flygon. I'm pretty sure it's a fighting yeah. type, so that's yep, not gonna... Yep, you guys got it. Uh, you guys hey. were definitely yes. gonna circling around it for sure. So good got good, good guys. <laughs> All right, nice. there we go. Um that was fun. That was yeah. a good, good set of trivia. Uh, I think now is the time where we take a quick break and get into our sponsor read. The Pittsburgh Pokemon Podcast is brought to you by Sports Car Junction. Located in the North Hills of Pittsburgh, Sports Car Junction is a one-stop shop for players and collectors with a wide variety of singles, supplies, packs, and boxes available in-store and online at sportscarjunction.com. And don't forget to check out our weekly league Thursdays at 6.30. All right, we are back. Thanks again, Sports Car Junction, for being a great sponsor of the cast. Uh, and with after every ad break, it is time to get into the news. And uh, with not that many cards being revealed, or we had the huge 50 card reveal uh, not but a week or two ago, uh, we are going to go into a little bit of a different news segment. Um partly because our guest made some news, and we're going to hit <laughs> the Twitter news. So first, I'm going to start with the one that uh, kind of came out of um, Charlotte this weekend, uh, the the kind of open deck list slash Pokestats debate. And I want to, like, the, the, the question is whether deck list should be open or archetype should be open for your opponent to know because people are putting wrong deck types mm -hmm. in their own pokey stats so that people can't look up and see what they're playing against. Does anyone ha like as Jake, I think you have a story on this yourself. Yeah. Which is I mean, I do, which is it. Um, thoughts. Okay. I guess I'll lead off on this one. So the, the first question, should it be open deck list? I would still say no. I like the aspect of having a closed list. It really um, overall um, rewards the players that put the most amount of work in it, into it, uh, finds the spicy texts of the week or anything like that. So uh, generally, I like IRL play being closed deck lists. Obviously, having it where you know uh, any you know you know they can check to see if you cheated you know anybody there. But as far as Pokey stats goes and people putting in their wrong deck list. I don't know for certain if this happened, but uh, you know, obviously a newer player 
Uh, I One of my first day twos, Pittsburgh this season, uh, went into day two. Uh, looked, one of my teammates looked up, uh, hey, you're playing against X, saw it there, um, and the, the deck was wrong. Uh, so I won the coin flip, and uh, just based on the matchups, I decided to go uh, second based off what I thought I was playing against. Uh, when going first, generally in that matchup, felt better. Um, obviously, there's no guarantee either way, uh, but it definitely you know, made up my mind one way or another. Uh, and then I had false information. Did my opponent cheat? I doubt it. Maybe. I don't know. But um, I felt, it kind of felt bad, especially going into like day two, trying to make points, trying to, you know, get higher standings and stuff. So uh, maybe pokey stats, I think should probably just not post until later after the tournament. I don't, I don't know the solution. Probably that's the best way to do it. Uh, if there's going to be malintent mal there. Uh, but I don't know, Joe, what do you think? Yeah, I think as as a tool, it doesn't make sense that anyone could put whatever they want and there's no like verifying or if a player overwrites what they had by like, if three other people say that they're not playing the deck that they said they were playing, could it not change or something like that? It does feel like it's exploitable by some people and that's just not really in the spirit of the game. So I don't like that that could be a thing. I'm definitely behind uh, closed deck list. I think, like you said, it, it's more skill expression. It enables like deck building to work more concretely i think as well um because we've seen that even cuts of cards of certain counts don't get punished because the deck list is closed and the opponent isn't playing around these sort of things so it just allows more avenues for players for uh closed deck list so i definitely believe in that and yeah for poker stats it's trying to be this really helpful resource and like right. i said players are using this and trying to gain a competitive advantage by seeing what deck lists and again adapting their strategy or you know even just their opening hand they can play differently based on the matchup of course so if people are going to use that as that resource either you sort of take it with a pinch of salt and know that this isn't always 100% accurate which is fine I suppose mm -hmm. uh, or we just yeah keep it all blank slate until uh, eventually Happy. the tournament finishes and then all becomes a live thing for someone who's like a spectator though for someone who's like across the pond and wanting to follow players I think it's really fun to just see the deck archetypes and what's doing well like seeing Cawthorn doing well with um Roy Moon has been like a really cool thing right just like oh he's the highest placing guy all day or whatever and this that the other and seeing right, that right. the players that you're following you want to know what they're playing quite early on and you know we can't always see everyone on the stream and whatnot so I think it's a nice thing to have and a general bonus and plus for the community it just needs to be just a little bit more thought and care put into it I think to restrict these sorts of people trying to gain an advantage yeah, and and another one little tidbit on the closed deck list, uh, like like we said with people that are, um, you know, uh, Sanders, we 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 were talking about him <laughs> earlier, where he put I forget the card at, at this point, but I know he put a, a one of when most people assumed it was a four of. Uh, I think it was crushing were, hammer. Yeah, he played yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. he played one instead of four, so people were playing around it. Um, so that definitely you know puts a little bit more of a risk reward on a player like Xander. And if you had it open, like that's just completely gone and yeah. you want to do stuff like that. So I like seeing that kind of innovation for sure. Yeah. I, I I'm a, I'm all for the, the closed deck. I I'm still with the closed deck list. I think that's the best way to do it. I think the, the one of cards that do like that, uh, put the fear in you because you play one crushing hammer or cutting a card and not and expecting it, but it's not there. Those are things that, that come with playing a game like this competitively and, and a variance-based game like that. I don't... It's kind of like, on the Pokestats front, it's kind of like sad 
that we have to it's one of those times where you're like sad you have to police something that is just trying to be a generally good resource for a community right. because someone needs to find the minuscule edge of of competitive advantage in it uh because otherwise like joe you said it is cool to follow along and know like following a player even if you're like you're not there and you say oh he's playing that and it's going really high or then you're just scrolling the list and you see another player that's playing some other archetype that you didn't know this guy's playing rick quaza and he's somehow in the top 100 players or something like that it's just that's cool to follow along but it's sad that we're you like kind of having to even have this conversation Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's the big news controversy, I guess you want to say, out of uh, this weekend. Uh, but we did kind of uh, want to talk about a different one that popped up. Uh, debate, I guess, if you want. Uh, that, Joe, you brought up just price checking in general on Twitter. Um, offering mm-hmm. the or having the ability to check prizes will help. Well, I'll let you explain it. You, you, it was your thought process. <laughs> you explain what you were going to say. I don't want to say it wrong. I mean, I, it's not just like my idea or anything. It's been yeah. a general consensus right. idea for, I mean, around the Pokemon community for years. And it comes up every now and then. It just seems to have popped up again uh, this week. But the general idea being that either on your first deck search or during setup, if we were able to look at our six prize cards, then shuffle them and lay them out or lock ourselves into a certain way of taking those prizes. I I think it's a universal win for the game because we, A, save time in terms of setup and not having to do deck search and this, that, and the other. Uh, Also makes it more lively pace of gameplay just in general. So it's better for beginners, more accessible for beginners, I think, as well, to have this done so quickly. Uh, and it also is more like welcoming to players as well, I suppose, because these skills that we have developed in terms of looking at through our deck and whatnot, we can physically sift through cards faster. We have that like card recognition a lot faster than newer players. So um, we are gaining an advantage, I suppose, in that we can search through our deck in a timely fashion compared to other people. Whereas if we're all on that same level playing field, it just seems really easy that everyone can do that. And uh, yeah, it just feels like there's no downside to doing this, to be honest. And uh, because we are in 50 minute best of three as well, I think time saves is a really big thing to look at right now, rather than mm. rehauling a whole tournament structure, which generally I think is accepted to be quite good. Um, and we also want to have complex, difficult, long drawn out gameplay as well. Uh, I think the player base is quite happy with the complexity of matchups right now. But the sort of big downside is that there's a lot of ties uh, and this, that, and the other, Mm. or one long 40-minute game, which not everyone is like behind, I suppose. Uh, But cutting into, I think easily you save five minutes in a best of three if we're able to do that. And it can be game-changing in terms of the tournament structure as well. So for me, it feels like a tap-in. I don't know if it just goes against the, I suppose, spirit of the game. Because I know in Japan, players can't write notes in the first place like we can do in the West. Um, and maybe they like that sort of random chance element of what prize cards could be. But for me, it doesn't really take away from the prize card mechanic because there's right. still that random chance of what you're going to take and when, and you still have to map around accordingly and it still changes deck building and whatnot. So I think the core element of prizes is still there and it just feels like it's a real easy win for Pokemon, to be honest, for experienced and new players. To me, I really don't see a downside <laughs> for making the change. Right. I, I, I agree. I, uh, sorry, Chuck. No, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree where... There is twofold. Um, you save a lot of time if you're going to best of three and you're playing, or it is two people uh, that 
you know, our, our tryhards or their or experienced players, uh, they're going through the decks or even if it's a mid tier player where they're starting to do that as a, as a new habit, they're not going to do it as quickly. Um, so that is, um, six deck searches on your first turn of the game. If you go to three turns and you put times two players, um, which could easily, like you said, take five, probably even more, uh, depending on the decks, uh, and how valuable those resources is. So one, it saves on time. And two, I know for a lot of people watching, at least uh, on the cast, um, even for experienced players, but uh, more so for you know people getting into the game, it's like kind of a bore fest uh, when you're like sitting there, uh, nothing's happening for uh, you know that amount of time, and you're like, what's going on? Like, okay, I'm on to the next channel or something. But yeah, it um, it invites people, like Joe said. Um, also, it just speeds up the game, and it just makes it easier around. And even like top players, like I've heard, like Azul um, and other players, like. They don't care. They're like if it's whatever. Like if my opponent uh, is brand new to the game. They whatever. Even if it's a if it's a, a another experienced player. Like if it's a toward playing against him, towards are gonna towards gonna know, already know what it's, uh, his prizes are gonna be. But it'll just speed that process up. So I think overall it's a big win. So uh, I agree with everything Joe said there, um, and I would like to see that you know, come into fruition. You know, in the near future. But we'll see. Yeah, uh, so I agree with uh, what you guys both said, especially Joe. I agree with a lot with the just the thought process on on just taking a quick peek at the six prize cards mm-hmm. after you set up. You throw and you can take a quick look and then shuffle and randomize them. Just like you said, uh, even just the first like you could save so much time for that because just the initial like two deck searches. Like I think everyone you could save like five minutes just off that first game. Cause you, a lot of people are really trying to figure out all six, like not just right. what key cards are in the prizes, whether, you know, it's Mirage gates, X, Y, Z. It's just, they want to know every six and write them down. So you could really save a lot of good, a lot of time with that to hopefully finish uh best of threes rather than end in ties. So I really do like that thought, uh, that idea. And like you said, it really doesn't mess with the, the idea of prize mechanics that much. You still don't know what you're going to get and um, they're still there. You have to take. So Yeah, I, I think the utilization of that info is still a skill in itself, right? So more skillful players will use that information differently to beginners anyway. So I don't think it diminishes anything from the game. Yeah, just using this as a prime example though, I wonder what would happen in games or not that uh, Vinny Fernandez or yeah, Fernandez, yeah. I think what Fernand Vinny would have done looking if he got to peek at his prizes <laughs> and see that all three Giratinas were there and then promptly poop his pants or something like that. But he still uh, won. He still won. He, he still won. I mean, no, he got there like that. But that was not a something where he would be like, "Well, I lost." You know, like I, I would be curious to see if someone in a in a game two of uh, best of three, they already game one, where they just go, "Oh, hey, let's just play game three. Um, cause this is not going to be fun. Um, yeah, that, that would be curious, but that would still be fun. Uh, but mm-hmm. I'll keep us moving. Um, cause that was all I really have for the news. So, uh, uh Jake, I think it's time for your favorite segment. Maybe. Not, I don't know. It's not my favorite segment, <laughs> but it, it's definitely, I feel important. Uh, obviously we're going to jump into the triple P season watch, kind of just catch up on, uh, where Chuck and I are and also, uh, see where Joe is. Uh, in this season, as he is not only a caster, as uh, also just a uh, competitive player. Um, so, Chuck, 
Uh, we always start with you, where you at, what you play in. Obviously, we, I think we all know what you're playing, but uh, yeah, any yep. any tournaments coming up? Uh, everyone knows what I'm playing still. Uh, I don't. I do have a challenge uh, this Friday that I it's a repeat from last week because I I'm a week behind on my schedule apparently. But mm -hmm. challenge is Friday. Uh, Goldingo will be the play, um, and uh, we're gonna see if I can take first place with it. Uh, I will be. I will say I am thinking about cutting uh, Caesar out of the deck. Finally, uh, I know a lot of people have already cut him, but I still find him very useful. Um, of course, I run a little bit of a oddball combination of Pokemon, but it's been working with me. But and that's primarily because I have a lot of Maridan locally, so it just does well in that matchup. So okay. we'll see. Jake, on to you. Uh, on to no, me, no, uh, update points, no so. updates and points for me as well. And just due to weather, didn't really do much. Uh, you know, IRL play played online, like I said uh, in our intro. Um, still on Moon and or uh, Snorlax Saul. Uh, I think my I may have a challenge, which I still need to get one or two more finishes there uh, this weekend. Uh, but beyond that, obviously, it's um, Knoxville's next for me. Uh, so it's really trying to hone in on the matchups. I think I have a pretty good handle of, you know, what Roaring Moon is good and good against and not good against and kind of like uh, its win conditions on, uh, you know, both ends. Uh, and then potentially trying to play uh, Snorlax Stall. Um, still, I have a pretty decent understanding on that, but still a little bit more testing to do there. Um, I know, like I said, uh, Tina is a... A uh, huge threat to it, obviously. Um, you know, and then uh, same thing with uh, Gardevoir with the uh, the Sadas, uh, with or without. Uh, it's just depending if I feel like uh, I'll see a lot of that. Um, but uh, that's kind of where I'm at currently. Uh, a little bit more testing uh, between now and Knoxville. Uh, but those are the two decks I'm honed in on at this point. All right. Well, well, let's let's move to, to Joe. How is your season going, Joe? Uh, it's a slow burn so far. I played in uh, I played in one regional and got two fifty six points with my ride on. Uh, I've got a handful of cup placements, which is cool. I actually played Roaring Moon myself um, to top four last weekend, so I was just exploring that archetype. Really, I don't think I'm going to take it to Liverpool though. Uh, but my season really ramps up from like a playing perspective. I'm going to be playing EUIC, NAIC, and a handful more regionals as well. So. I've got plenty of time. I need to get 500, of course, because I'm in Europe. So I'm a little bit <laughs> below halfway, but I have, uh, but I have plenty more. To like I'll play way more tournaments in the second half of the season. So I'm hoping to uh, to catch right back up and uh, hopefully just scrape that invite. That's what I'm going for. Nothing more, really. There it is. I mean, as yeah. long as you don't cast that much, right? You don't want the casting in a way. But then again, you <laughs> wanted to cast, so it's a it's a yeah. tricky balance of uh, uh, so it. far. I've managed to do it, but obviously, I'm casting a lot more this season. Right. Um, so it, this is definitely the hardest invite I'll, I'll have. Yeah, the people want more Joe. <laughs> I'm willing to give it to them. They just need to uh, <laughs> say yes to me from Pokemon side of things. <laughs> 100%, 100%. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we can move into our second half because that's uh, that'll wrap up the season talk. Um, I, I wanted to just basically touch kind of a little bit of uh, the meta and a little, I guess, a quick Charlotte recap, but and then uh, some post rotation afterwards. So uh, to for anyone who uh, lives in a bubble and didn't see Charlotte happen uh, and Vinny, as I Fernandez, as I said earlier, won the tournament with a loss. Lost Zone Giratina uh, beating Caleb 
Rogerson in the finals with a uh, Charizard uh, deck, uh, Charizard EX. Um, uh, basically, I was just going to ask Joe, like in the state of the game, do you, Charlotte's coming up pretty quick. You know, Liverpool's right around the corner for you too. Do you really see any kind of changes or impact on the meta coming up for, I guess, Knoxville being so soon? Yeah. For Charlotte? Yeah, I mean, it looks like the goalposts have shifted away from Zard being like the deck to beat to Tina, possibly. I feel like, you know, that's mm -hmm. just one, two in a row. So I think that's pretty much going to be respected as possibly the most popular deck and like one of the best decks in the game. I think Charizard's still going to remain in that sort of like top three of popularity. But this Roaring Moon thing has kind of been interesting. It showed up on the graphic for day one and had decent conversion into day two as well. And Cawthon's brought like a different enough build that I think it could be here to stay, to be honest with you, because I think it, you know, with some tech tools can be decent into Tina, Zard, and Mew, which mm -hmm. is at least interesting. It still is kind of weak into, like, some of the other Lost Box variants and into Guardi. It doesn't really like too much, but it feels like it could be a contender in the game. So I think uh, it's going to be more of the same for the most part, but possibly a little bit of Roaring Moon, like, getting into that mix. And it's going to be interesting to see how decks adapt to Tina being like top dog. Cause we've been through this strange cycle of obviously LAIC, Maridon was like the top contender alongside right. Gardevoir. And then it was like Charizard came to defeat the Maridons. And then now Tina's come to defeat the Charizard. So it feels like it's going to be another cycle for another couple of months, honestly, because Paldean Fates won't change like a huge amount, I don't think, outside of a couple of tech changes. So I think it's going to continue that cycle a little bit further on, I think. Like maybe it's a good tournament for Mew, for example, if you think Tina's going to be like the best deck in the room or whatever. Depends on if people are going to play Spiritomb uh, like Bragna did or whatever. But yeah, I think it's going to be more of the things we've come to know, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't see a, a huge shift in, you know, the top three, four decks. Obviously, there's, you know, 10 decks that, you know, can see some kind of success. It's just a matter of where we are on the wheel. Like you said, uh, Garatina uh, just won two in a row. Um, do we see, you know, Muse out there um, or tech cards or, you know, or, or, or decks that are, they kind of keep it down. Cause we've seen it in the past from Garatina where um, everybody thinks it's going to be BDIF and, and it kind of doesn't because of one reason or another, other decks are just, uh, you know, it doesn't have a favorable matchup into it. Uh, so we'll see if more unfavorable matchups kind of pop up as that goes. Um or is it, you know, it's had too much success, so then people are going to kind of jump off of it in fear of that. So maybe yeah, it's always that mind game I play with myself. Does Even though it just won two in a row, does it maybe fall off a little bit in in uh, meta uh, share? It, I mean, you're, you're still going to see a lot of it. Uh, but does it jump into that 20% or does it fall down to 10%? I don't know. Um, it's always that, that kind of mind game uh, as you play. Like I was saying, uh, I'm I'm potentially going to be Snorlax, which could be completely the awful call, or it could be better because people are thinking, hey, people are going to tech against it, and then you will see less of it. So, um, I don't know. Uh, whatever you pick, I think those top three decks, that you know, four decks that Joe was talking about, um, are going to see play. And then uh, Moon, obviously. Um, I feel like people are starting to figure it out. We saw this with Maridon, uh, you know, before it started uh, taking off with Mahone at Worlds, uh, where... You know, it didn't really see a lot of success, and then he broke it open, and his group broke it open, and then it just started you know, popping off. So we we may see something like that, a tech card or two. Um, with Moon, I still think it's maybe a little too early for Moon to to, to really uh, peak, uh, but it, it it's it's there in the in the backgrounds in the rear view mirror for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, 
I'm just looking at like the top 16 from Charlotte and there are a lot of different archetypes in there. And I mean, Tina is probably the most popular of the top. Actually looking, I'm counting. There's that was three... day two. I think Charizard was number one no. going into day one, right? Well, I'm, I'm just looking at the top 16 finish, mm -hmm. like oh, okay. final 16 places. Like Tina had three in the top eight and Moon had three in the top 16. So like it, it's a, those were the two with the most differences. Uh, but but there's a Gardevoir up there. There's Charizard up there. There's a Snorlax stall. There's Arceus variants. There's a, a lot of uh, Sablezard is up there. Mew is still up there. So I, I have a feeling that, I mean, Tina is popular, but like Joe said, uh, it's kind of building a very big target on its on its back. Right. Um, so any of these things that I mentioned can probably make top eight and then win the tournament. But uh, it, it really depends on getting that right judgment call on 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 being able to see the Giratinas and beat them. If and, you're, and, if you're, and you can make the perfect for. judgment call and still whiff those good matchups and hit all the bad matchups, even if the meta says, you know, you've made the right call. Yeah. Um, we've had it plenty of times where our team, you know, we we predicted the top two or three decks and then we brought a, a deck that we thought did well against it and then hit like Mew, where it was like a, a 5% play or less and still like hit some of like throughout the team hit like five or six Mews throughout day one. So um, it you've named off all those all those uh, decks that are viable to, you know, have a chance to win. Uh, so it's really kind of pick your poison, because if you harp too much on it and overthink it, I still think you can uh, play yourself out of a, a deck you potentially could play better. Um I don't know, then then just kind of picking up a new deck trying to be ahead of the meta, uh, but still kind of hit those bad matchups. So it's kind of a crapshoot no matter what. Um so I don't know. I don't know if that really answers the question or not. Uh, I don't know. But it, it is it I don't I do think we are gonna see a lot more of the the same. Uh but I don't necessarily am I'm ready to like pin a badge on Tina this for for Charlotte. Like I, I do think it's gonna have a little bit of a target. All right. Um Jake, do you have any more meta questions? Because I I, uh, well, I really with rotation, yeah. I mean I think the meta is a meta we've been kind of in a yeah, a, you know, things go up and down. But I think overall uh, people that listen to any kind of podcast kind of have a, a pretty decent understanding of where the meta is going to uh lie within a couple uh decks here. But it's more um Kind of piggybacking off our talk with open prizes, um, but with like decks like Mew and three prizers going out of the meta with rotation and just kind of cards in general rotating. How do you feel that affects the game as far as just um, you know pace of play um, or, or or the quickness of a game passing by uh, with with those less those three prize options? So we're going back more to the setup game more than that volatile uh, early game aggression. Uh, so how do you kind of feel that the meta's shifting once we hit that rotation point? Uh, well, we're still going to have a lot of speed. There's still going to be those Squawkabilly right. Turbo decks. I, th right, I think, right, right. you know, you could still be staring down that Turn 1 Moon or that Iron Hand. So I think, I think it's going to be a bit of a myth that the game necessarily slows down. But you're right, three prizes aren't that same swing anymore. Uh, but they're still going to be dominated mostly by EX decks, I think. Right. Uh, a lot of the V and V stars is kind of go into obscurity. Uh, Tina and Gudra seem like some of the better Vs that sort of remain in the game because the Lost Zone engine is mostly untouched, I would say. Mm. Uh, but Giratina does lose path, which is a, a big component of its win condition Very right much. now. So 
and path in general is just a huge swing. Uh, obviously good for things like Pidgeot Zard, seems good for Goldengo, which we talked about a little bit. Good for these Squawkabilly Turbo engines as well. Good for like Zatu and um, uh, Iron Valiant and stuff like that. And yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of interesting... It, to me, it looks like there's going to be a handful of fast, basic two-prize attacking decks and then a handful of these like setup-based decks, more like the Charizards. Gardevoir's in a strange box. It loses big pieces, so it's going to have to change quite drastically, I think, if it right, wants right. to continue. Um and then there's still some like other single prize stuff, like the new single prize moon deck looks kind of interesting. So yeah, and obviously the new future box that uses that like reboot pod and a handful of different type coverage attackers, the throwback to plasma for many uh, veterans of the game. Mm, I think yeah. there's a good smuttering of like new decks coming into the mix as well by the looks of things. Well, speaking of post rotation and, and new things coming, I had kind of one big post-rotation question we can kind of take as long as we want on it i i just wanted to ask joe what what like what are some both ends of it like three to five cards that are you think are the biggest cards that we're going to lose in rotation which some of them we might have just mentioned but like coming up for what is like like five cards you think that are the biggest things that are leaving the format that With, are going to be yeah in the game so without a doubt, Path is the biggest shift because the strength of uh, these disruption supporters plus a Path of the Peak shuts down so many archetypes and the fact that just a turn one Path can shut mm -hmm. down a lot of engines. That's just completely evaporating. So hand disruption in general kind of gets weaker because you can't combine it with this card. People can sit with Radiant Greninja on board and still have a way towards like three or four cards. Even things like Mui X get stronger rather than having a 2-2 line of the barrel, for example. So these engines are going to completely differ. I think it makes aggressive decks better, actually, because you can get ahead, stay ahead much more easily because you're not going to be completely brick-walled by this combination of disruption. Um, but I think, yeah, Puff is 100% like the biggest one. There's still going to be non-rule box draw uh, around. I still yeah. think the barrel is like solid, and obviously Curlia could still be good and this, that, and the other. But those se that seems like the biggest... Uh, change to me vip pass is obviously the other big one i think that does hit turbo engines quite hard actually because typically they're trying to get their main attacker plus a squawkabilly down or like plus a v pokemon yeah. to have a forest seal stone target these sorts of things mm -hmm. uh, so losing that means that they have to adapt their engine quite a lot as well uh heavy reliance on ultra ball and nest ball is like fine but it does sort of slow down their role a little bit more and makes them like high roll higher i suppose which right i guess right. the thing um so those are the two big outstanding ones. Rope's kind of a more subtle one. Definitely like a solid card in the format. Whenever it's been in the game, it's seen play. It's a great way to have that pseudo push mm -hmm. uh, when you can't deal with whatever's in the active position. Uh, but it could also enable some like annoying uh, throw it in the active style Pokemon like Clef Key uh, that haven't really seen the light of day right now. But especially with like Path going, for example, that this card fits more of a niche that isn't being fulfilled in any, in any other way. And decks can't simply add in a few escape ropes to get around that in the early stages. And obviously, you need one less Clef key in play for it to be useful, essentially, because you can't just get roped around. So I think there will be these changes 
with those three big ones and then you have to talk about Mew. Mew has basically <laughs> completely stopped decks from being considerations because they can't get over the first hurdle of you got to beat Mew. It's always going to be 10% of the room, right? Right. Um, and it's also like shifted the format towards lots of dark types in general. Part of the reason why Charizard's been so good is, hey, presto, you're dealing naturally with Gardevoir and Mew quite well because you have these uh, dark guys in your deck list. So there's a lot less reason to look towards that sort of weakness triangle, I suppose and possibly new weakness maps are going to be coming out, possibly now, like, it's important to be Grass-type, so you're better into Charizard, for example, or whatever else pops up yeah. in future. So I think that's going to also have a big shift. And I guess uh, Rapid Strike also sort of falls within that umbrella where it's one of the other, like, bigger decks in the game that's kind of fading into obscurity. I think Iron Valiant is going to try and take that mantle of, like, you can still do this ping and spread pressure-style stuff, possibly even Meowskarad as well when... Uh, you'd no longer have path to worry about. It could come into the mix. It's a grass type, obviously, uh, which helps in terms of like matchup spread, worrying about Charizard anyway. Uh, so I think there is going to be a sort of pseudo replacement uh, for Rapid. But in terms of that key bench pressure, I think we don't have to worry about that so heavily. It's mostly going to be like Greninja Cologne packages in like Chen Pao. And like maybe we've seen Palkia inserted into some decks here and there just to give archetypes that option but it feels in general you don't have to be, sort of lie in wait and fear of that like avery rapid flow combo <laughs> because both <laughs> those things go so right, those would yeah. be my like headlines i think uh of rotation right and with you saying you know obviously uh, i agree with you when you said path leaves so these these v pokemon uh ex pokemon can really take advantage of not being um stopped um, you know, so there's going to be an element of a lot of turbo decks, like you said, um, but decks that are, are set up decks um, or are, are more thinking like Lost Box, where it does lose escape rope. It, yeah, sure. It does gain the buddy poffin, um, mm -hmm. but with rope in like the comfy engine, just general, um, not necessarily like a box or a Tina, but just Lost Box in general. Do you how big of an impact do you think rope plays on a deck engine like that? I think it just about still has enough cards that you mm -hmm. can pivot its confes and dance and still hit those crucial thresholds. We get that new uh, emergency board tool, which is something that's great for Lost Box, right? If you can bank uh, a tool onto a confe and get multiple retreats out of one card, it's a lot of value or just have it there. For when you are getting hand disrupted, you at least have a confe that you can pivot in and out, which is handy. Uh, and also Prime Catcher could be going into the Lost Zone engines, which is a that, Switch yeah. card as well as uh, a Gust card. Yeah. <laughs> so we, ha we have one broken escape rope, <laughs> essentially, uh, which is nice. So I think it just about survives okay. uh, with okay. just like carts, Switch and Jets, because looking at Giratina and even looking at most of the Lost Boxes, they're not like maxing out on these counts. Uh, they're sort of picking their favorite ones based on the deck. So I think right. we'll just about get over there. Most of the time, Rope is like a one or two count, but it's such a good situational card that can feel really powerful at times. Um, so it will be missed, but I think the engine still will just about survive. Yeah. And I think you can still uh, yeah. plug in some switches too, to just have sure. those those switching cards in there where you're not going to, uh, where you can get that early game aggression on those flower selectings. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah. Um, I want to hear your take on Buddy Poffin though too. Uh, so there's a lot of setup decks right now. Obviously Charizard is the biggest uh, one in the room uh, with less uh, path hurting it. Um, and it gaining the buddy poffin, which is arguably better, just total for the deck. Um, <laughs> yeah. How do you feel that like Charizard for uh, is is poised, you know, in the in the near future after rotation? 
yeah, I, I definitely think it's in that fray. It's probably going to be the rhetoric of this is the deck to beat, I suppose. Um, so it might incorporate more Devo decks. We've already seen Devolution is like a tech card already in the format, but that's right. going to be likely more prevalent trying to target the engine that Charizard's currently utilizing, having some lightning type coverage to do with Pidgeots because now you can't path a Pidgeot and just hand disrupt them. You have to knock it out or devolve it essentially to stop them having access to everything they want or having some grass type coverage. These sorts of things I think is naturally going to come into play. Things like Chen Pao, uh, decks like that historically have been quite good in the matchup, especially if you are playing like Cologne. And right. that deck is like more consistent, I suppose, when it doesn't have to worry about path as well. So it's going to be like a goalpost shift in that you want to play decks that are good into Zard naturally because it seems like inherently as a 60 card deck, the, the deck gets way stronger, right? Okay. One thing I will say that losing VIP pass is still hurting their like Rotom draw and stuff like that and makes right, the right. Arvin package a little bit less easy to easily get your Forest of Stone off and this, that, and the other. But I think, yeah, you're right. Poffin is still like a net positive for Charizard and other evolving decks. Right. Um, on, on that... Wow. Uh, I was going to have another question, but I, it left. Um, <laughs> uh, let's take it to the other other spectrum now. Unless Jake, do you have any other no, cards? You go want? for it. No, you're the lead. I would, uh, I'm just uh, on the other spectrum. What do you think are like three to five of the biggest things that are coming in boons to the format um, from mm. from new sets? Or yeah. even I'll even add if you think something's gonna benefit from like just something that's going to benefit because of rotation in general like sure yeah i think i think there's a handful of uh cards that will do that i think tanking archetypes in general could make a bit of a resurgence because right now tanking's basically irrelevant because we have both roaring moon and tina that can just laugh in the face of that with v-star and just frenzied gouge but we'll get a mist energy, which can prevent effects of attacks that you can put onto tanky Pokemon. Mm -hmm. Things like, you know, Rev of Room EX, Wigglytuff EX. They don't sound that impressive of cards. That's because we've had Path to reduce their stats down to just being like regular Pokemon. But now their stats are just left unchecked, essentially, and could be huge and really annoying Pokemon to deal with. Even things like a stalling uh, Rev of Room, similar to how we saw like Stonjourn of VMAX, I think that could definitely be a thing. Just have lots of heal cards and just uh, oh, pass into the opponent, yeah, essentially. I, I think I these could be yeah. things, right? So uh, I think, yeah, tanking could be back in a big way when we have, especially the uh, new A-spec hit point buff, for example. There's lots of ways you could be tankier. So I think that's sort of like reintroduced to the game. Possibly it means that like Roaring Moon or Tina have to play Temple of Sinnoh because that's still in the format. Uh, and it could nullify that sort of thing. But I think there might be windows of, of opportunity for those decks to do well. Also, I think Goldengo, we've started to see it do quite well and show up here and there. Obviously, we've been encouraged by that big Kyoto result, and it has now landed a top 32 placement recently. So it's certainly a deck, and it's like a you know a tiered archetype that everyone would have in a tier list right now. But I think with Path going, every Hand Disruptor now, we don't have to worry about having the Milotic or the Big Barrel or anything else, you know that you're still going to get like three coin bonuses and a Radiant Greninja draw off the rip immediately. Right, and right, right. you're going to completely bounce back. I also think that the uh, new Mallow reprint is is huge. The Cryptomaniac is amazing for Goldengo because yeah. you can cherry pick what you're drawing straight into. 
which can allow the cancelling clone combo work really well. Uh, really well makes even just like poker stop after using a cryptomaniac can be huge because you can just get like double superior immediately off the top Jeez. decks. Yeah, so you can be burst damaging stuff, which is really cool. Uh, Goldengo really likes Poffin as well. I think that's also really good for the deck in general. So um, when you don't have to play all these silly workers for path bumps, the deck just gets much cleaner. And it even gets to play a Prime Catcher, which is really good with Irida anyway. So you don't even have to play Cross Switches now. So you gain space. I'm really yeah. uh, excited for Goldengo, actually. I think it's going to be a really good arc. Right. I'm not just saying I that. Love, I love it. the excitement. <laughs> I am just as excited because that's exactly how I saw it. They were the... The prime catchers are like, oh, okay, my cross was just turned into one card. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to play four workers. The cryptomaniac, I do like that as well. I was like, this might just yeah. be the take workers, put four of these in, because you can just coin bonus into whatever you, the two cards you need, and then mm -hmm. continue to draw from there. It just, it seems like a lot of things are lining up for it to be very well, like well suited to be able to handle things. And mm -hmm. not a lot of stuff can. The, the the one thing that just says no to your whole like game plan is going is rotating so yeah. uh even if it's a pokemon that does it like they future print a pokemon that like blocks abilities or something like that like i'm okay with that because it, mm -hmm. it's just easier to get around because I, I can worry about like i can focus down that right but right. uh yeah it, it is it is. Uh, I got my eyes are very big at Rattachio. Well, <laughs> I had my eyes on Goldingo when he first came out, and yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> I kind of fell off of that train. Even though I love the mechanic and and everything, but Path, like you said, um, is just so prevalent out there. But it's definitely a deck that uh, doesn't seem until we get another card like that, which will probably be like three or four sets. Uh, I feel like it can run free for a little while. So I might be back on the Goldingo train and making it rain. <laughs> Uh, for sure. Um, but I'm interested to see, yeah, like uh, Pat or uh, VIP and those turbo decks like uh, like a bigger Roaring Moon or something like that, to that effect mm -hmm. where their big b basics can you still set up as consistently? Because um, what's the very positive thing about that deck um, is it generally sets up consistency. It's, it's definitely mm -hmm. where it falls short is kind of that mid to late game on the path disruption or just kind of that damage output without hurting yourself. Uh, yep. where it puts it in danger but if it can still stay consistent and not have that path danger also another deck that i'm still very very uh excited about for sure yeah. i think the future deck is gonna be a, another great turbo engine just because it gets to play techno radar right so it basically mm -hmm. still is playing a vip pass so you still have that really good access to lots of pokemon early although they're not drawing cards like a squawker billy will i think that's another good like low to the ground big basic deck to bear in mind and the random one-off card i just want to quickly mention which could also have a big impact actually is uh the one prize great tusk i think it's probably going to make a like gimmicky mill deck that you'll see on the ladder all the time but right. actually as just a one-off copy that could go into a raging bolt or a roaring moon or the single prize roaring moon deck it could be an anti-snorlax reverse tech essentially how we've seen right, right. things like Crabominable be a tech card for like previous stall decks where you can just act you just mill them out if you just play one great tusk and sada you can just catch them and deck them out so i think that's also going to be a challenge for snorlax uh which is another cool option because you know there's only so many item cards we can play there's new supporters like airy as well as misfortune sisters now so just having a huge density of switch cards doesn't actually do that much anymore um, so trying to attack Snorlax in a different way with that card could be uh, kind of interesting. And I think a mandatory uh, sort of card for the format, actually, which is going to be more interesting than I think some people would give it credit for. Sure.
my my one thing that I want to see happen if such Snorlax hangs around uh, mm. was the new the new hand clippers. Yeah, <laughs> I want to yeah, see. You explained it that that one last I, week. I, I, was... I, I said it last week. I want to see hand clippers, and then I own oh to and pass like so they right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that would be hilarious. Just, just to see for, I would hate to be. The, we need the to see it on stream. We need to see it on stream. Yeah, that would just be funny to see. Um, yeah, I had great. one, one other quick question. I the only one, I, one I have left, uh, is just the state of with Path being the big rotator and and stadium the stadium game as it was was, uh, you play Path or you play something to bump Path kind of, um. With path rotating, do you how do you see the state of stadiums in the game? Kind of do you do you see the counts fall back a lot, or do you see a lot more the counts stay there, and then you see a lot more interesting stadiums hit play, like uh, more Pokestops or artisans or things of the the prevent damage ones, like or like wastelands or stuff like that, like just mm-hmm. interesting stadiums. Yeah, I, I think it's good for decks like, say, Entei Valiant, which requires four Magma Basin, because you'd still play that full four counts, but they get bounced a lot less, so you get more value from just having them. Mm-hmm. I think there'll be a ton of decks that are just really happy to play, like, one or zero bounces. I think Lost Vacuum's still a really good card, because there's a couple of A-spec tools, and there's other reasons to just want tool removal in the format anyway. Yeah. So it's likely that we see... There are decks with lots of stadiums and there'll be some that play like one stadium, one vacuum or just like two vacuum and nothing else in their deck. And then those tech stadiums, like I mentioned, Temple of Sinnoh could be reasonable based on what's still in the metagame and what we have to be concerned about. Uh, there's still Lost City. There's still, and Pokestop is still worth bouncing in a lot of situations, right? If you are the right. one trying to do the Iono, you still want to have a bounce to that. So I don't think we go from like, I think it's going to be less volatile than right now where we have to play like four stadiums in a ton of decks because you're worried about path. But I think one or two counts and gaining space is great. Um, but still having to be aware of stadium and tool buff or bumps is going to be really important. So I think vacuum is still going to be just fine. That's going to see a ton of play. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, things like artisan, it, it's not that strong of an effect because you're still helping your opponent. So there's a lot more justification to just play like in and vacuum instead and like make that space up elsewhere so we're not just throwing in stadiums for the sake of it now they really have to have a purpose i think yeah it'll be interesting because chuck since me and you have been in the game uh it's always been one stadium or kind of bus where you know is giant or not giant hearth um chaotic swell then path of peak and there wasn't really a time uh, period between the two where it was like an open like a less of a bump bump game so uh Mm -hmm. if joe you're correct which i i feel that you're probably are on this one uh, <laughs> where where we can open up some deck space for uh, a little bit more consistency especially losing cards like vip pass and stuff like that so yeah. it'll be interesting uh you know to see decks when they first come out in their stadium counts yeah that, that's Definitely. one of the reasons yeah. why i was interested because when we when i started playing it was swell was the state like it was swell and if you played uh, a welder based deck you were playing for like you were you wanted your hearth to stick um, mm-hmm. um, and you played four to get hopefully around the swells. Um, but uh, if otherwise, like if it wasn't like first level power good, like you didn't bother playing stadiums. Yeah. So um, yeah, I just, and then it was path and you were bumping path. You still have at least stadiums that worthwhile to play. Um, so I'm curious where it's kind of like free game and stadiums might stick a little bit yeah. longer. 
I, I feel like that's much more likely to be happening just in general. And people will time their one or two bounces alongside a hand disruptor and hope that it makes them find an extra piece. That That's what it feels like to me going forward. All right. Well, I'm, I'm out of questions. Uh, this has been a great fun. Jake, do you have any more questions? No, I think that's going to do it for me. Um, so yeah, uh, take it away, yeah. Chuck. Uh, I, that's going to wrap up the cast. I want to say, Joe, thanks for coming on, but also, uh, I'll give you the floor. This is your time. If you want to plug, shout out, whoever you want, uh, obviously the channels and whatnot, uh, the floor is yours. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for chatting. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Omnipoke is the YouTube channel. Uh, Team Omnipoke on Twitch. And it's Omni underscore Joe on Twitter if you want to see more hot takes. And uh, like always, if you are lazy and don't want to type any of that in uh, the links will be in the show notes <laughs> so you can click on them um uh, you can look for those uh and then thanks again joe for coming on this was a blast i had a lot of fun with it uh and uh that's gonna wrap it up we will see you all next week yep before we leave i want to say a big shout out to joe for sticking around while I had technical difficulties, because I know you guys are not hearing it, but halfway through the, the podcast, my computer crashed. Thankfully, uh, I think at least, uh, thankfully, our audio saved, but uh, I was having a mini pa panic attack for like a 10-minute span there. Uh, he was definitely cool and hanging out with us, so appreciate it, and shout out to you, Joe. Thanks again for listening. Please, if you would, you can leave us a review or follow us on Spotify. And Jake, where else can they get a hold of us? You can find us on the X at Pit Pokepod or Chuck at Watch Whimsy, myself at Panux One. You can also find us on Facebook at Pittsburgh Pokemon Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you all next week. <laughs>